This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Tigers and 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And we are back this week on the heels of yet another Memphis win, and we will break that down today. Got some other news today. Very interesting, Kenny. Uh, major breaking got an e- news. Major breaking news. Got an email about Memphis's home and home with Boise State. I was like, oh my gosh, but, Boise State. Well, This is good. Well, you see, I, I called Jonah, and I was like, Jonah, did you see this? Like, This is this is good. This is a good schedule. And he's like, did you check the date on it? And I was like, <laughs> no, I, did. I just glanced at it. And he was like, it's 2030 and 2031. So. Hey. That one, uh, that one was a bit of a damper. I was like, "Oh, okay, all right." Moving right along from that. I mean, where is Memphis going to be in, thir- in in ten years, Christian? Like, where if you had to guess, like, where do you think Memphis football athletics? Where is Memphis going to be? Uh, who knows? And I'm not speculating on it. We're just going to move right along from that and go into Memphis S- basketball. I heard you say SEC. They're going to be SEC school next. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't make people don't make people think I'm talking like that. I'm uh, joking, people. I'm joking. So, anyway, Kenny, Memphis wins their third consecutive game on Tuesday night, this time against SMU, um, and an offensive game. Uh, First time Memphis has really won a back-and-forth offensive game all year. So they're showing us that they can win in different ways. They can win on the defensive end of the floor, the offensive end of the floor. Completely different team. These these last three games is a complete uh, flip of the script from what we saw through the first 11 games of the season. So, Third in a row, impressive win at home. They'll be uh, in Dallas on Thursday night to take on SMU once again uh, due to this weird scheduling because of COVID. They will play two games in three games, two two games in three days against the same team. So very weird. Penny talked about it last night after the game and said that's something he hasn't done since the NBA. So that will be a different experience for him as a college head coach and then uh, this team as a whole. But Kenny, let's get into the game last night, break it down a little bit. Uh, just you know, instantly from the game, I, I'm I'm sure you had some thoughts. What were those on the four point win over SMU? Yeah, I mean it was it was um, the Tigers won that game twice, or at the very least, they showed me um just a major difference in their team in two different ways. Um, that comeback, I think I texted you and Brooks last night during the game. That comeback. The run, the seventeen to two run at the end of the half, um, in my opinion, was a season changer for the Tigers. It was a, it was a a, the culmination of 
a, a, a definite seismic shift in the, the the direction that the team was headed. And, you know, we talked about it a few a few weeks ago where in every single game there's a time where uh, you you're holding on to a rope and you have and you could either let go or 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 pull back. And um, I think a few weeks ago, the team that we saw would have absolutely let go of the rope against SMU last night in the first half. But they fought their ass off in the last half of that of the of the first half, and that that was an impressive run. It was an impressive, and the way they did it, they did it through their defense. They they weren't hitting crazy shots, bad calls, anything like that. It was they 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 knucked up and said, "We're gonna fight you with our defense," and they and their defense is what got them back in the game. And then, go ahead, Christian. I I, I don't want to keep talking because I I can well, let's go into the second half in a, in a little bit. But just in the first half, th- those are my thoughts about the first half of the game. Yeah, well, I, I, I th- I'm thinking about it a little bit differently because we have seen Memphis make these comebacks in the first half and early into the second half. They they did it against uh, uh, South Florida, I believe. I think they were down by 10 to 14 points in that game and came back. But the thing that we saw differently in this game is that they carried that momentum over. Even in that South Florida game when they came back, it was still down to the end, one-point game. And this one kind of was, but it never felt like it slipped away. And, and I don't know if I'm crazy in thinking that, but from me, from watching the game, it felt like the entire time Memphis was going to to end up pulling out that game somehow. I started writing my pregame article with like six or seven minutes left, which typically I don't do because you never know how it goes. So I, I started writing it. I didn't finish it. I was like, all right, I'm going to get a couple a couple of paragraphs in and see where this game's at. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. It, it was a bold strategy, but that's like I'm saying, I just... You know, I've watched so much sports in my life. I feel like I have a good feel, and you never know. You never know. Anything can happen. A team can feel like they're going to win the entire game and lose. So I'm definitely not saying I know everything or I have this sixth sense where I can predict. But it just felt like throughout that whole game, especially when Memphis made that comeback, that it was their game to lose, that they were playing. They were the better team. They were playing on. They were playing better on both ends of the floor, and they ended up pulling it out. So... It was uh it was very impressive. Um, I it, personally, I think this game is more impressive than Wichita State game. Absolutely, because it showed what you and I talked about two weeks ago. Can this team ever figure out how to finish a game? Can they can they learn how to finish a game? Can they learn how to win in crunch time? And they did that. You know, Wichita State they get a twenty point win. They murder a, a bad ECU team that was shorthanded due to COVID. But this SMU team, minus Andy Yanovich, head coach, is full capacity. They have their entire roster. Tyson Jolly's in his second game back after missing the majority of the season due to personal reasons. So this isn't an under undermanned team. This isn't a shorthanded team. It's a full-strength SMU team that is tied for second in the conference with Memphis uh, going into that game on Tuesday night. And Memphis responded. They played well. They finished the game. They did all the things that I feel like we've talked about all year and said, this is what we need to see from this team. And they did that on both ends of the floor. I know they allowed 72 points, but this is the best offensive team in the yeah. conference, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Um, and, and Memphis didn't necessarily shut them down or completely lock everything down, 
but they made plays when plays needed to be made on the defensive end. You mentioned that that big run in the first half was largely due to forcing turnovers and forcing bad shots, which created easy offense. So the defensive performance may have not been spectacular. It may not have been perfect, um, but they did what they needed to do to win, and then they scored 76 points, and SMU is not necessarily a great defensive team but shots were falling for Memphis last night. I think against most teams in the conference, that's a you know they're going to have a good offensive game with the way they were shooting, and that's been a trend and a very positive trend that they needed to happen. Uh, they couldn't hit shots for the first eleven games of the year, and now you've got three consecutive games with ten plus threes, uh, shot fifty plus percent uh, from the floor the past two games. So it's like it's like everything is turned around for this team and it's obviously very encouraging moving forward it's not going to get easier you still got a lot of tough games on the schedule but if you play like this you can beat anybody in the conference on any given night uh and and so that's got to be a very a very good thing you know for the fans for the staff for the players uh just building that confidence back up i know everything is is trending in the right direction at this time yeah i mean and one of the things that I that I've seen that I love about you know the, the over the last three games and really this has been a, a trend throughout the entire year um, is that every player is bought in on the defensive end of the floor and um, and so you you mentioned a few minutes ago that um, the Tigers didn't play a perfect game defensively um, they didn't shut SMU down but what they did do was that they forced players that don't normally have the role of being the lead scorer, the leading threat on the team, they force other players to take to have to assume that role because Alex Alex Lomax, Damian Ball, Boogie Ellis shut Kendrick Davis down. Mainly Alex Lomax. Mainly Alex Lomax. He took it personally. You could see it. You could and in the post game, you could hear it in his voice. He was he took it personal. That game was personal for him. And, um, and so that's, that's one of the things that I think bodes well for the Tigers moving forward is that, you know, are they going to shoot that well the rest of the year? Are they going to shoot over 50%, 10 plus three pointers for every game of the year? More than likely not, but it's something that we said a few weeks ago, the Tigers are going to have a, are going to have a game against anybody because of their defense, because their best players are dogs on the defensive end of the floor. And so, um, you, you know, you look at the Houston game, um, you know, they're, they're some of their best players are their guards, you know, Quentin Grimes and Marcus Sasser. And, and the Tigers have really good matchups with both of those players that can stop that can that maybe maybe may not be able to stop them but can absolutely impact them and and make it difficult for them to score so um you know that it, you know the the SMU game it was it, it felt different than the Wichita State game because SMU's a better team they are top 2 in the conference um well not anymore but they were top 2 in the conference one of the best scoring teams in the conference with the preseason player of the year on their squad, they had a they have a good team. They're a legit team, and so um, you know to see the Tigers come out, you know, take some punches in the face at the beginning of the you know the first half of the first the first half of the first half, and then fight back and start punching back. Man, was was a was a really really good sign for you know the the culture that's being built around the Tigers, what the coaching staff is doing, and how bought in the players are in terms of of what they want to see happen for the team. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and going back to your point about Memphis and the way they play against guards, this is not something new. This is something that's that's been a trend since Penny came on board. And I, I think the I was thinking about it last night because I asked Penny in the press conference about shutting down Kendrick Davis and what it meant in this game. And I think the first time I can really vividly recall Memphis just shutting another team's guard down was Alex Lomax against B.J. Taylor in Penny's first year against UCF. B.J. Right. Taylor was a you know was a first team All Conference guard. They also had Aubrey Dawkins. He was the lefty point guard, right from UCF. I don't. Wasn't he a I lefty? Don't, I don't Man, remember. He was so, I don't remember if he was a lefty, but um, he was so yeah. Good. He was a first team All Conference player. Was at the time probably the best guard in the country. And Alex Lomax shut him down. And it's been a trend, man. Like I said, th- this team has always been so good in the backcourt defensively since Penny t- took over in large part because of the way that Alex Lomax plays defense. And then to add another guy like Lester Quinones who plays such hard-nosed defense and, and doesn't need the glamour, doesn't need the points, just wants to go out there and play basketball. So it's a mindset in this in this backcourt that allows them to do that. I talked about it before the uh, before the Wichita State game because the the strong point of that team was Altariq Gilbert at point guard and Tyson and Etienne at the two. I know Morris Udezi is a good player, um, but that's what the the offense runs through Gilbert and Etienne and Memphis shut them down. Tyson Etienne was the number two scorer in the conference at the time. They shut him down and then. The SMU game, they play Kendrick Davis, who's averaging over 19 points per game as the conference's leading scorer, and they hold him to, what, eight points on four of 14 shooting. So it's not dumb luck. It's not a mistake that Memphis keeps shutting the conference's best guards down. It's something that's been a trend over the past three years. So any time that they match up, a team, match up with a team that is guard heavy, they're likely going to be in it until the very end or win the game because they're so good defensively in the backcourt. And Kenny, uh, over these past two episodes, we've broken down performances, you know, some of the top performances of the night. So I want to do that again and run through some of these players. First one, we've mentioned him a couple times, Alex Lomax. Not only was he incredible on the defensive end of the floor, extremely active, shut down Kendrick Davis, got in his face, stayed in his face, um, really played a mental game with him by the way he was shutting him down. But he also led the team in scoring. And you said this on the last episode. Any any points you get over four to six from Alex Lomax, you're playing with house money at that point because he's not supposed to score that much. So when he leads the team in scoring with 14 points, that that's usually going to be a good sign. It usually means that the offense is rolling, the offense is flowing if he's taking that many shots. The one negative I can say about his game uh, last night against SMU was free throws. Shot uh, under 55% from the line. Missed a lot there at the end of the game. So he struggled on the free throw line. Um, but but everywhere else on the floor, he was probably the biggest reason why Memphis won that game and, and had a very impressive performance once again. Well, he struggled from the free throw line at the end of the game. But he got the majority of his points from the free throw line during the heart of the game, during when, you know, not not saying that the end of the game wasn't very crucial, but, um, you know, I've seen it even today. I've seen some people say that if Alex Lomax leads you in scoring, then that means your offense isn't doing well. And I just, I call bullshit on that because it's how Alex, it, it shows me a lot about the team and what, you know, the, they're valuing getting the ball to the players who are open, wide open shots, 
you know, taking it to the basket, um, you know, making Alex isn't breaking folks down at the top of the key, taking it to the basket. That's not what he does. He did it a couple of times last night, but um, you look at the majority of his points. Um, he got six points from the free throw line um, and shot 67% from the field. And so it, it shows me that the ball is moving and hopping around and getting, getting to the person who's open um, and not being kind of a one-on-one type thing that we saw at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, Alex is um, – Alex was engaged – in every level of the game yesterday. And so um, the fact that he did lead the team in scoring is just, it's a byproduct of good offense and him being incredibly engaged throughout the entire game. Um, Alex is the heart and soul of this team. And that's what made the first part of this year so hard because when your heart and your soul is having a rough time, there it, it spreads, right? It can spread to the rest of the team. Alex, something clicked in him. I think we saw, you know, such a weird year with the schedule, and we're starting, and we're seeing that with the Tiger schedule over the next few weeks. Um, just the weirdness that this COVID season is going to bring for the team. I think we're going to look back at the end of this year and say those three weeks without them playing changed the season for the team because you're seeing um, you're seeing two things really. You're seeing a team that that has completely um, changed the trajectory. Something flipped in their mind. They they were able to get away from the the losses and the win the loss win loss win kind of trend that they were going on and and just work and a guy like Alex thrives in those types of situations man taking a step back and so when Alex took that step back over those three weeks where they didn't have to play I think that healed whatever was going on in his head and in turn healed the team if that makes sense I know that I don't want to sound weird but um and then the second thing obviously is I think Malcolm got healthy and I think Malcolm's knees are healthier than they've been this entire time the entire time he's been at Memphis and so Malcolm has turned himself into a legitimate backup to Musa and DeAndre in the in the uh in the paint so um you know Alex man just uh, super impressed with the grit and determination that he showed um to, to fight through the issues that he was having at the beginning of the year and turn it around because, man, you know, Alex is, Alex is leading this team right now. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, that three weeks off that, that really helped certain players. And I think at the top of that list, you can make an argument that Musa Cisse is right there because he got to put in so much extra time working and just learning and not having to worry about the nuances of a game and just focus on his game alone, not you know a matchup or what was going to happen against this center or this power forward. He was just having to worry about himself. And you see the byproduct of that being you know AAC Freshman of the Week after his performance against Wichita State and ECU. And then he comes, comes out against SMU, uh, puts up his fourth career double-double, 10-10, uh, four blocks, played a great game. 
didn't play much in the second half, and I know a lot of people were asking and wondering about this. Penny was asked after the game, said it had to do more of with the matchups. They they had an idea of how SMU was going to try to attack in the second half with the pick and rolls uh, with with Kendrick Davis and Emmanuel Bandamel. Uh, very good backcourt, so why wouldn't they attack pick and rolls in that situation? And Penny referenced the South Florida game against Caleb Murphy when – in the second half, they went to pick and rolls. In the first half, they did it as well, but more in the second half. And he murdered them on those pick and rolls. Caleb Murphy was on Sapo on those pick and rolls. He was getting Musa Cisse one-on-one and breaking him down and getting to the rim. So to avoid a similar situation, Penny took him out of the game for the majority of the second half. So it's not something where we can say we know what would have happened because we have no idea. So that that's what Penny and the staff felt was best. That's what they did, and they won the game. So there's not too much we can argue there. The five that were on the floor won the game for them. But I don't know if they would have been in that position if it wasn't for the way that Musa played at the end of the first half and early in the second half. We've kind of seen this from him the past uh, you know, couple of games. Like I said, the Wichita State game, he did the same thing, just exploded. Uh, in the second half and and very similar performance against SMU. So it's good to see him settle down, find his confidence, because you could tell at times there wasn't much confidence there. And it's not surprising. He's an 18-year-old, supposed to be in high school, and he's playing against you know some of the best bigs in the country. But he's been able to find himself, to learn his game, to learn where he fits in right now at the collegiate level, and to do what he does best, which is dominate down low on both ends of the floor. Don't try to do too much. Do what you can do. Do what you're good at. Stand by the rim. If it's grab lobs and dunk them, do that. If it's grab rebounds and finish, do that. Uh, If it's being on the back door of a guard cutting at the rim, do that. If it's blocking shots, he's bought in. He he absolutely knows his role now 100%. Uh, He's looked comfortable because of that, and obviously his performance has, has shown that over the past three games, like I mentioned. Uh, being the AAC freshman of the week and then having another double-double in the win over SMU. No, yeah, Musa has definitely taken steps forward. You know, it. it I still, you know, you, you want to give, um, give your big man an opportunity to try different things in a game. So you saw him one time last night post him up back to the basket and let him make a move. You know, the biggest difference that I've seen – in in Musa is just his 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 core strength is getting better you know and that comes with time that comes with there's a difference between playing against Lausanne kids and and private school kids in Memphis um, compared to high level D1 athletes you 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 have to um, you've got to be ready to get beat up in the paint and Musa has never been prepared to be beat up in the paint because he's been able to dominate physically in high school. He was just able to do that. Um, and so at the beginning of the year, you would see him try to post up and it's almost like every time he made a move and went up, it would, he, he would get knocked off his position. You know, he would get bumped and, and it, he would just fall back and it would be short every time, or it'd be just way off to the right or, or left. Um, what you're seeing with him is, is, you know, a development in his ability to take shots in the paint to uh, not, not shots as in jump shots shots as in like take hits, you know, get, get bumped. He doesn't get moved as easily as he did at the beginning of the year. Um, and that just comes with time. It comes with reps, but you know, absolutely. You know, it seems to me that Musa is an incredibly coachable kid. And so 
that's a really good sign for a kid like him who's not played basketball very long, you know, throughout in his life. He's only 18 years old. He hasn't played basketball that long. And so, you know, what, 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 it's interesting. And we can go in this in a different direction in a second. I want, I want to talk about Penny um, and kind of an evolution that I saw last night that I really appreciated. But it definitely seems to me is that, that Musa is a very, coachable kid and that um that will only help him as he develops further along in the season and then into the off season yeah and I think you can tell that in interviews we've talked to him post game a few times and and every time he always talks about just getting better and learning and staying after hours in the gym to learn uh, what he needs to do to better himself and to be a better teammate. And and you can feel that he just – he loves it. He loves the daily grind. He loves being in there. He loves playing basketball. And we've talked about it a ton of times. You've heard plenty of people say it. Those are the kids that coaches love the most. The kids that want right. to learn, that want to play, that want to get better are the easiest to coach. So he's looking much better. We do need to we say, can't, Musa, stop hurting DeAndre. <laughs> yeah, Penny. Penny got asked about that last night. How too. hilarious it's, was that answer? It, it was pretty funny, but it's just—it's so ironic because you see it in the last game, and then he comes back and gets smacked again by Musa, and it's just like, how? He how said, does this happen? If you haven't watched the post game, go to our YouTube channel. Go Tigers Two Four Sevens YouTube channel. We post media availabilities, game films, mini films—you know, things like that—just um, to give you the best experience possible to understand the, the Tiger season. Uh, but in last night's uh, post game media availability, they asked about that, and um, Penny said that DeAndre was laying on the floor and screaming Musa's name, Musa, as blood was pouring out of his nose. And it's like, I mean, I'm sitting there going, "This is the second game in a row that Musa's dang sharp elbows have just busted up DeAndre," and that's that's a. Um, that show like just that flailing kind of stuff like that happens in a game, especially when you're you got such big players in there. But Musa needs to stop hurting DeAndre, man. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen for a third game in a row. But one last player I want to talk about real quick, Kenny, before we move on. That's DJ Jeffries. Uh, mm-hmm. We've talked about him a lot. Been a lot of uh, negative really with him. There hasn't been a lot of good to talk about, and he wasn't perfect in the win over SMU he didn't have some incredible game but he did score 12 points mm-hmm. uh, had a really good outburst in the second half where it seemed like he couldn't miss and after the game he spoke to the media as well and said you know it just felt he's like he, he said he didn't feel like he was in a slump I, I mean everyone knows he's he's kind of been in a, in a slump but he said it felt good to just be able to see the ball fall again and we talk about that so much with so many different players how when you get into that into that kind of weird slump can't hit shots that you have to see him fall you have to see something go in and to be able to see a few go in in a row last night had to spark him Uh, we'll see how he responds going forward from that but I think that is a big positive because if you can get even 12 to 14 points from him a game your offense is going to be much better yeah I mean we've said this from the beginning and and you know we've been kind of on DJ this entire year uh, about, um, you, you know, the slump that he's been in. Um, I remember at the beginning of the year, you told me privately, you heard you heard a, an interview with DJ, and you said, the kid is different. 
And um, I, I think what's interesting about that is I think if DJ was having this type of year last year, I don't know if he would have been able to come back from that. But this year he's definitely matured just as a man. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, DJ has not produced um, in the way that the Tigers need him to produce. They don't need DJ being the leading rebounder every game. They don't need him to be, you know, the leading shot blocker every game. They need him to score buckets because that's what he is. He is the most offensively gifted player on the Tigers basketball team. It just hasn't gone very well for him this year. Um, but I say all that to say one of the encouraging signs that I think we've all brought up numerous times is that he has produced in other ways that, 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 that production hasn't decreased in terms of, you know, what you see him leading the team in rebounds a couple of games or, you know, getting a bunch of assists in a couple of games. Um, even though his shots aren't falling, he's still putting something out there. He's rebounding the ball. He's getting back and playing defense. He's, you know, passing the ball to the open man. Um, what that what that tells me is that while DJ was not producing on the the in the points bracket of the of the box score, he absolutely was still engaged and bought in to to trying to help the team win. And and a guy like DJ, you know, he is so offensively gifted that that's going to come around like his his offensive skills are going to come around um I'm glad that he I'm glad he's going through this right now instead of last year because I think his maturity level at this point is allowing him to still hold on to that rope and so you know he played you know he came in Tigers were down 7-0 at the beginning of the game last night um, DJ hit a three-pointer, and then he had that um, drive to the basket off the baseline where I think he got fouled, but, I mean, the guy was up, but he was moving into DJ um, where he took the ball, took a hit, going to the basket and laid it in, um, scored five straight points to bring the Tigers back. Now, you know, they still um, – they still, uh, you know, were down. They still went down by, you know, a few more points, like a double-digit lead or something like that at the, in the first half, but – um, you know, DJ coming in and, and, and providing those two baskets um, kind of, I think, let everybody breathe for a second. And and so what we've normally seen in the last couple of games with DJ is he'll come out and hit two or three three-pointers in the first, like, two minutes of the game and then just be – and just disappear for the rest of the game. That back-and-forth stretch with Landers, Lester, DJ – and then the other players from SMU where it was three-pointer, 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 three-pointer. That was an incredibly entertaining stretch of basketball. That was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that game last night was very fun. Uh, we were texting about it, all three of us, last night, about how it was just back and forth. It was a fun game. It's you know one of those games you might get once or twice a year with, with one team, uh, just having that very entertaining back-and-forth game. So with that being said, Kenny – on the heels of that entertaining game, they have to go to Dallas and play that same team. It's not going to be easy to you know travel to Dallas and go out there and beat this team that is so good offensively once again. But what you know, in, in your opinion, Kenny, what are some of the biggest things that Memphis has to do uh, to get a second straight win over SMU? Well, man, I think they need to do what they did in this last game and keep the turnovers down. 
Um, you know, the, it's, it's clear to me when they are, when they're not turning the ball over, when they're not giving up possessions, they can play with anybody in the conference. Um, so that's, that's one part, keep the turnovers down. Um, and I think, you know, Alex said it last night. He said, it's not like anybody's going to change the way they play in the next two days. So we just got to look at the film, shore up some of the things that we need to do, um, and be better. And, and we have a shot, we have a chance. We just beat them here. We can beat them there. And so, um, you know, I, it's not like, you know, basketball is a weird sport in that it's not like they're going to be able to come in and just revamp anything in 48 hours. Um, there, there are some trends that are going to have to happen, but I think that the, in order for the Tigers to come in and, and, and beat um, SMU in Dallas, I think, like I said earlier, just keep the turnovers down, make their free throws, um, and just keep playing with that same level of, of, of willingness to share the ball the way they have you know in the last three games you know both dj and alex said it last night they said you know the beginning of the year we just we were looking up and i want to help the team win but i'm the only way i can do that is by scoring and and now they're like we're realizing that i don't need to fill the points you know the points up to be able to help the team win i can help in other ways and and so they're much more willing to pass the ball to open players. Just keep doing that. Just keep doing that, and they'll be in good shape. Before we close this episode up, Christian, I do I did say earlier that I wanted to, um, you know, kind of talk about Penny for a second. Um, I, you know, it's not often in, you know, when you're especially a part of media when you get to hear coaches talk about game plan and things like that. They really don't ever answer those kinds of questions, and so you know we. Obviously, there was a, a big uproar on Twitter last night with Musa not being in the game and, and people going, well, you know, he needs to be in the game. Why is he not in the game? And, um, you know, I had a feeling it was a, a schemes issue. I had a feeling that it was something that he saw that he wanted to, you know, stay away from. But it was really interesting to me um, to hear him be so open about the decision that to not play Musa the last nine minutes of the game um, with the media. Cause you don't hear that very often. Most coaches won't answer those kinds of questions. And, and, you know, one of the knocks against Penny or one of the, one of the good things um, that can sometimes turn bad is that sometimes he doesn't have a filter and he, he's just too real, right? Like he sometimes will just say things and you're like, Oh man, or, Oh, that was really cool. Well, last night was the really cool moment for me to hear him talk about, you know, the reasons why he, um, set Musa down. Um, and, and it's a teachable moment, moment for Musa because they already had a game plan of, of when we sit down with Musa tonight and tomorrow to look at film, this is what we're going to look at. So he can be ready for the next game against SMU or the next game against another big time guard being able to stop the pick and roll. Um, like you mentioned uh, you know, at the earlier in earlier parts of the episode about Caleb Murphy and USF, um, you know, it really got the Tigers in trouble with Musa playing pick and roll defense, and DeAndre can handle that 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 defense. Um, but there were some things that Penny um, that Penny did in last night's game that, to me, it was one of the more impressive coaching jobs that I've seen him um, in the last three years, he did a really, really good job last night, um, in terms of just, you know, managing the game and making adjustments. Yeah. There've been plenty of games throughout Penny's three years where we've talked about it and said, you know, that, that was a hell of a, hell of a game that Penny coached. I, I can think back to 
couple games against Central Florida, uh, last year's game against Houston. There's been some games in, in Penny's career as head coach where he's really shown that he can make adjust, adjustments in-game, that he can get the guys in the right spot uh, to win games. And uh, Tuesday night against SMU was just another one of those moments. But with that being said, Kenny, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Head over to GoTigers247.com for any Memphis sports needs that you may have. The The amount of pregame and postgame coverage that we're doing right now is pretty insane. I think we're doing four to five articles per game. Um, and Jonah and I are also continuing to pump VIP information into the football thread. So if you need any insight, Memphis football, Memphis basketball, head over to the site and check that out. As Kenny was talking about earlier, our YouTube channel, uh, we've really, really started to bolster that up and post a lot over there. So if you go to YouTube and go to Go Tigers 247, you can check out any of the uh, post-game media availabilities with Penny and the players, any media availabilities pre-game with Penny and the players. Um, and then also Kenny has done a series all year doing mini films on the game. So any anything you need over there, digital content-wise, you know Kenny's got you hooked up. So go check out our YouTube page. Go check out the site. And with that being said, Kenny, you got anything else? I'm good. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you're interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.